Welcome back to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast, a show all about inspiring smart, busy women to put their happiness at the top of their to-do list. Join your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, as she chats with amazing women who have figured out how to make their happiness a priority, and more importantly, what it's really like to go from hot mess to awesomeness. And now, on with the show. everybody to the hot mess from hot mess to awesomeness podcast this is uh the break that every busy woman deserves it's a show about real women telling real stories about how they figured out how to be fucking happy um it is rated pg blah 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 but the f word is included yes yes (laughs) i am i'm I'm always excited. I'm a little extra excited, like big hearts here, um, to have Carly Aikens as my guest today. Uh, Carly and I have been friends for a long time, and it, for me, it's one of those beautiful relationships where she's off gallivanting the world, and I'm doing what I do, and we connect, and, and our lives mesh and intertwine, and it's beautiful. And um, so I'm going to read you the official bio because it's killer and I'm going to add in my two cents as I go through. So Carly's very born multidisciplinary artist, a painter, a recording and touring vocalist, writer and teacher who has been practicing her work for over two decades, although she looks 20. So I don't understand that. Fuck, that doesn't make sense. Um, and uh, this is a Carly original that I have behind me. Um, it is one of my favorites. And uh, for any of you who've been in my home, I have like... 15 pieces of art up and seven of them are Carly's and then the rest of them are mine. So <laughs> this is, this is a little Carly love fest over here at the Thompson house. Um, love everything that you do. And so for the past 10 years, Carly's traveled across the globe singing on world stages. <laughs> no! She's very popular. That's my, as you, as you my best friend, Bowen, who calls me every day. Sorry, go on. <laughs> That's okay. So you spent years, you were living in Colorado, and you were part of a band called Paperbird, which like freaking rocks my socks. And uh, whenever I listen to any of uh, your songs with that beautiful group, I'm like, my skin is on fire. Like, I just feel it everywhere. Um, and it's a, it's a bit of a go-to for me. Didn't make the dance party, uh, but it's definitely no. on my playlist. So... Um, and you may recognize Carly. She was part of a band called Bahamas, another local fabulous individual, and um, appeared with artists like Jack Johnson, Macy Gray, and Head of the Heart, and member of Toronto supergroup Wayne Gretzky. Oh my God, I freaking love you guys and everything that you're doing right now. And I recognize that, I mean, the limitations are like that, it's a laundry list of limitations, but you guys are doing beautiful things. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Um, and you're working on a solo record, which I'm definitely going to ask you about in but a moment. So okay. welcome, my beautiful friend. Thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege and an honor. Oh, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> you say that, and then I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions about yeah, what well, it's like being a hot mess. So, you know, <laughs> maybe hold on to that. I've got lots <laughs> on that topic. <laughs> so, um, maybe let's go there. Let's go there now. So tell me. Tell us um, a little bit about what your journey was has has been, um, and and really, because what brought you to the space of continuously being inspired to show up as an artist in in multiple forms, um, and and continuing to do that every day, um, and then I'm going to ask you about how we fall on our faces around that. But anyway, but let me know more about what brought you to this space. Um, okay, that's a big question. Uh, well, growing up from a very young age, I, I um, discovered that I loved the arts. I loved to draw and to sing and to write. And I had a lot of really great teachers who nurtured that and a, a wonderful mother who created space in the home for me to paint and to, and, you know, allowed me to be in classes to pursue um, performing arts from a very young age. And uh, around like 11 years old, I started working in summer theater. Mm. And I think my dream at first was to be on Broadway. And so 
I studied kind of in a triple threat program locally in Barrie and, um, you know, was mentored by a woman named Joy Bainborough, who some of you may, may know. She's been teaching in Barrie, very talented woman who was my mentor for many years. Um, then uh, went on to high school, was in shows all through high school and really excelled in, in school um, in academics. I ended up being like the valedictorian of my high school, but despite all that, I didn't go on to post-secondary education, I think, because I just really wanted to go straight to the stage. And so I um, started, I got hired at Talk is Free Theater, which is a Barry company and ended up working with them for many, many seasons. Um, but I think growing up, you know, uh, I received a lot of praise and support and, you know, a lot of positive reinforcement, which I'm very lucky to have had. But I think it didn't quite set me up for the elements of rejection that come with being an actress and, um, you know, a lot of the things that I first auditioned for, I would get. And so I didn't, I hadn't experienced like what the real world of going out and competing against all these other women who were far more trained than me. I mean, I would always get to a point where I'd go to the dance audition and that would be like, maybe you saw some of my dance moves before. <laughs> I, I wouldn't quite make the cut. And I just started feeling really not cut out for that environment and the rejection just quickly made me feel like I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I could have gone on and continued to train. And I think I had what it takes to, to pursue that career. But I was also in the meantime playing music with my brother and um, I kind of gravitated towards that world because it could, it was a place where I could explore lyricism and, and write uh, lyrics and I could just go up there and, and let loose and there wasn't like a panel of judges there telling me if I was good enough for the part. Mm -hmm. um, and then that led into, once that band kind of uh, disbanded, it was really heartbreaking for me because I was so attached to it and I really was like, well, no, I'm gonna be, we're gonna be a band and we're gonna be successful. We were experiencing some success, but um, interpersonally we we were failing. So. When that ended, I decided to move to Toronto and pursue my painting studies, because I'm a painter, as you mentioned, um, which is a great alternative to when you're failing in music, go study other arts uh, instead of a more, um, you know, practical degree. But anyway, I went to OCAD. I moved to Toronto finally when I was 26 and started studying at OCAD and after within the first year Afi from Bahamas hired me to be in his band and then and I that that's kind of a marker for where a whole new life began of I, I left school behind I only went for one year of school even after going back at 26 um, so still paying off that loan for that one year at OCAD uh, and I proceeded to get like a crash course in touring all over the world with AFI, which is a, a thing I'm very grateful for. And then that led into me joining Paperbird. So I was in Colorado for a bit. That also was, Paperbird was a band who'd been a band for 10 years before I joined. So um, that band was kind of running its course in ways they were all, they had all grown up together. We had, we were experiencing a, a bit of success. We went into the studio with John Oates from Hall and Oates, produced our record. And so all of that was very exciting. And I was living in the States and touring all around. Um, but that that band as well kind of just ran its course. Um, and then I found myself kind of back in Toronto. I joined Drain Gretzky in the meantime. And I just recently received a grant from Canada Council to make my own solo record which is like after you know 10 years of singing for other people which has been an amazing experience now i'm in this new space of it's time for carly to just be carly standing on her own with her own song so it's a whole new i'm now 36 and i um yeah it's that's a whole new experience of like coming into my own and dealing with all of the things that come with that um 
the good and the bad. So I'm in a new like discovery zone of, of being my own artist. That is amazing. That's the long short of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely, you you know, you brought us on a journey there from Um, Interrupt me if I'm babbling on too much. Uh, okay, I, I will. Um, I, as you know, I live with an artist, mm-hmm. and um, I am. I wasn't surprised when you told me that you were uh, nervous, kind of freaking out about doing this, because mm-hmm. I have long since learned that stage work is much different than personal work, mm-hmm. and when the camera is on you. Uh, it, for you, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a whole other thing than sort of that, um, it's the art that's here. And so I'm, I'm interested in hearing about sort of your experience with the dichotomy, sort of the Carly that lives behind the scenes and the stage woman mm-hmm. and, and what that interplay was like was there conflict was it you know what what did you learn by it because I I, as I hear your story it was you know this thing happened and I felt really good there and then it disappeared and then Mm -hmm. okay I have to reinvent myself and then this thing happened and it was great and then shift and then shift and your shifts although all in the same zone uh, definitely doing different things yeah I'm, I'm very fascinated by um, as I'm sure you know, because you, we've chatted before, but I'm very fascinated about sort of that dialogue that happens here that um, it, it determines where we go next. Right. Yeah. Um, well, it's true that in in each of those stages, it, it's almost like a breakup in a way, and a and a you you become part of this unit, this family unit in a band or you know it's just like working with any group of people very closely and a lot of people say that being in a band is like being in a a marriage which is true if your marriage is like living on a bus and uh you know washing your face at a gas station or whatever (laughs) but um um so each time that those things would you know they would come to their end it I'm a person who's becomes really attached. I'm a very like nostalgic person. I have a lot of trouble letting go. Um, and I become very attached to people. I, I mean, recently I've been discovering with identifying myself as an empath and what that means. So for me, it was heartbreaking every time. And it was, you know, like there was a level of devastation, but then there's a level of like, reinventing yourself and picking yourself back up and like, okay, what's next? And I've also always kind of gone with the flow and allowed, you know, opportunities to open up and I kind of just follow them without any like five-year plan or anything. That's kind of how I operated, especially when I was younger. Um, But yeah, in, in moving forward, you know, there was a lot of healing that would have to go on to let go of that past um and i don't know if i'm getting too off topic from your question but uh yeah so it's it's been a it's been a series of of journeys and like recovering from that and 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 taking from that heartache and creating from it of course you know a lot of artists think they have to be in pain to like create but it does help when you're <laughs> suffering it does give a lot of material but i don't I don't want to exist that way forever, but. No, and I can appreciate that. And um, someone being someone who I would say is sort of newly discovered um, my connection to my personal creativity. And I'm a firm believer that we're born creative and then Mm -hmm. we're conditioned out. Yeah. Um, So I kind of want to come back and talk about the supports that you have, but I'm, would you say that, um, the experience of letting go and having to that that sort of dissolution it, it's it it, it really um, thrusts you into that into the grieving process and mm-hmm. um, I can see as an artist and 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 someone who's sort of looking at grief from multiple perspectives right now that there 
getting to that space where the emotion is is raw and real and where you're identifying with it um, and then moving to a place where you can sort of be an observer of it and then and see sort of the um, how it, it it is a part of a grander thing. I think from an artist standpoint, it's it's important to be in it and to mm -hmm. feel it and then also have that capacity to see how it fits in, right? And, and yeah. I'm wondering if, you know, as you are, I wouldn't say you're, you know, you're experiencing it a lot, but that you have sort of, you're come to know this process a little bit more intimately. Um, what would you say you've learned and, and, and you have gained from sort of that knowledge of being an empath, of being a feeler, of, mm -hmm. of really sort of um, being present through it as opposed to like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm just going to go do the next thing, right? So um, yeah. what would you say you've gained from, from well, all of that? Well, certainly when I was younger, like say when, when I left Bahamas, that was a really difficult time for me, but I was, I was young and I had been doing all this amazing stuff um, and then it coming to its close for me, at least Bahamas is still, of course, a, a band, but um, that was really heartbreaking. And I took that really hard. And I think I'm still, you're still processing that through the years, but now I can look back and see like with perspective, of course, like I'm really happy that happened because it led me to all these, would I trade in all the other things that, that rolled out of that experience um, to still be doing that? No, of course not, because I've had, I've, I've made so many wonderful uh, relationships and had a lot of opportunities since then. And I've come to be able to be grateful to see that that was that stage. And I, you know, but when you're in it, it's very difficult. You're feeling all the pain and the grief and the, um, the anger or whatever of, of something coming to a close that you maybe didn't want to let go of yet. Um, but now it's it's amazing to step to be able to step back. You know, it's been several years since that particular event happened, and really to have the perspective. But it but it took catharsis in like writing songs about it, whatever in in manifesting that in through through art um, to process that. And again, as I say, it it takes it doesn't happen overnight and it's a long, but it's a long process. And then in, in the interim, there's other heartbreaks and, but those set me up to be more prepared, you know, that set me up to be more prepared for accepting that, especially in a, like a, in a industry that I'm in, which is like forever changing and you have to always be adapting as an artist, you're used to, you know, kind of an instability and you're always trying to find your footing and there's no guarantee that, if you do these things, you'll achieve this and you'll climb this ladder. So it's, you're used to being kind of unstable and learning how to, to adapt and to accept. So it's a constant challenge of those things right. and it builds a lot of character and it's not, it's not a lifestyle for everyone. And I think a lot of people, you know, we are all creative and there's many ways to explore that. If you're choosing a career in, in creative arts, it's a really challenging one. And I think that a lot of people, you know, kind of give up on their dreams because it's, it's, it's difficult and your dream might look this way and the success, the success you want or thought you would have every day is changing along with the industry that is, is constantly malleable and, you know, there's, there's so much that I feel um, those of us who don't consider ourselves full-time career artists um, mm -hmm. is the power of what you just shared mm -hmm. and what we can learn from that in the, the, the adaptability, the flexibility, and the strength and, and, and knowledge that you gain from processing the emotions through creative work. Mm -hmm. And um, a big part of what I do with all the women I work with is I like, you have to get good at being messy. Mm -hmm. um, I work with a lot of recovering perfectionists. And so right. um, it, that can be a new concept, but I think it's, it's a testament to the value of really um, practicing and allowing for a, a, the creative flow as mm -hmm. part of 
growth and healing and, and evolution. And, um, you know, every time we create something for the sake of creating it, um, we learn more about who we are and about why we do what we do. And um, it also gives us space and time and grace because we're not milling, right? It's not here. It's here as it starts to release um, in whatever form that looks like. And, And of course, in my world, like it could be digging in the dirt. It could be singing a song. It could be, you know, a a solo dance party. It doesn't matter. Um, And the right now there's been a lot of talk about the grieving process and grieving the loss of what was two months ago. And um, it's sort of shined a light on what has already been happening for so many of us for most of our lives that we are, we get so desperate to hold on to something that we don't allow the process. We don't allow ourselves to get to that stage of, of acceptance and meaning. And I think um, what I understand and what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from your story is that you were just, that's the, you were experiencing those things. And then, um, and the growth doesn't mean you stop grieving or that you stop feeling or that you stop, um, you know, being in that moment and, and, and experiencing that loss, it's the knowledge that this is a, this is a process. Yeah. And, and there is, I'll say there's a, there's a light, but there, there is gain. You just have to be patient and, and do the work, mm-hmm. whatever that work is. Yeah. And it's, it is, a, it's a painful process, you know, and, and especially, well, in, in my case or in an artist's case, who's like, you know, trying to quantify their creation and, and um, putting a, a money value on like your process of just experiencing life and how you outwardly express that. It's a difficult thing because then all of a sudden it's like, well, how much is this worth to people? Is it, am I worthy of being heard? You know, is my story interesting enough? All of that stuff. So you're constantly grappling with that and you just have to adapt to, to know that like, if you're doing this for everyone else, then you're never going to be happy or satisfied. You have to, it's part of the process of doing this for yourself and your personal expression. And if others can find their story in yours or relate to you somehow, then that's, that's wonderful. And that, you know, and that, so it's like success is, is gauged in this very strange way where you're like putting yourself out there and you're pouring your heart out and you can be told over and over again, like, that's not good enough. Nobody cares no one's listening to your music, no one's streaming your stuff, you know, all this, you're constantly like up against these, these measures of, of how your story is worth. So it's just, it's just coming to terms with like, this is, I've been given a way to express this outwardly that hopefully people can relate to, but I have to do this for myself and not for anyone else. And, and it's also, you know, as if one career path comes to an end and you, and you like now, when I'm deciding now to, to, you know, pursue my own project on my own, I always told myself, like, I'll be happy when I can find the time to go do that. But in doing that, it opens up a whole new, not a wound, but a whole new part of you that's like, okay, now I'm, I'm putting myself out there in this new way. And it, it brings up all these other things that also are are measured by your past you know so it's a constant being being up on stage and expressing yourself in front of people is like obviously a really vulnerable thing it can be a really empowering thing because you can take on a persona and and you kind of go into this space where it's like it's not even you you're like this is my stage person so of course it's more vulnerable to be here with you in this intimate setting than it is to be under the lights and you can take on a character, but it's also, it, it's a lot of things. It can be really painful. And for a long time, I struggled with severe anxiety. Like all of a sudden I had really bad stage anxiety. And that was really hard because I'd always felt really comfortable on stage, but suddenly all the stuff I wasn't dealing with was manifesting now in this safe zone where I was like, but this is how I, you know, let everything out. And it was starting to just manifest in my body, all the issues I wasn't dealing with personally, all the unhealthy relationships I was in, 
Um, so as much as you can express that and the catharsis comes from being creative, if you're not like dealing with yourself on a really personal, intimate level and doing the work, then it, it'll manifest and it'll sabotage all your happiness as you know. So that's a, that's a, a beautiful metaphor of like, I'm so happy on stage. This is my safe place. This is where I feel most comfortable. And all of a sudden it like shifted into this space that I, I wanted to curl up and die. Like I felt so uncomfortable on stage and it happened quite suddenly, but it was just like, oh, you've probably had an anxiety disorder for a long time. And now it's like, it's coming to a head. So that's what it took for me to like step back and realize that I had a lot of self work to do, which of course I'm still um, working on, what, but what would you, what are your sort of go to, I would say strategies, but what is the work for you? Um, and because I know I, that the women here and the women who are watching, um, mm -hmm. may not be on stage in the same way, but for so many of us, that's how we feel. Yeah. That when we step into the zone of the identities we feel safe in, whether mm -hmm. that's at work, or as the mom, or as this is my my chateau, and I yeah, Martha Stewart it up. If mm -hmm. and that reference, she seems old now. But anyway, <laughs> um, but you know, we we put on this persona, and we're like, I got this, and uh, underneath the stuff is going right. And you know, yeah. my inner critic, I named her Bertha, like she's just kicking into high gear, and all of a sudden, the things that I thought I had like a total handle on or freaking sand through my fingers. Like it just yeah. falls apart. So I know that the, the tools and the strategies that, um, you know, it, it's nice to have access to multiple things and to be able to try new things because as we evolve, things that worked for us last year may not work for us next year. And we have to be continuing to, because as you said, this is a, that the process of, of, of healing and self-discovery and getting really clear on what makes us really happy. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a long game. Like that's a journey, right? So yeah. what are yeah. some of the go-to things that you would do to help you move through all this self-awareness? Well, I think I was discovering that the self-talk that goes on in my head, I just thought that was reality and that was the truth, you know? And so it came to, to realizing like, that I'm telling myself a lot of things. I also, you know, recognizing the unhealthy relationships and unhealthy boundaries I had set in my personal or romantic relationships that led me to a lot of, you know, decreased self-esteem. So it's like, it's this weird place where you're like, I'm on stage all the time. I have to look really confident and strong and powerful and get through the show. But inside you're like, the things you're saying to yourself are, are horrible, you know? And, realize, and realizing like the separation between that, like as much as you can be up on stage and people are clapping for you and saying you did a great job, your inner critic is telling yourself that you suck. So really it was, it's been like understanding that about my, my self-talk and how I, how I speak to myself in my head. Um, you know, and that's come with like a lot of reading and, and help along the way. Um, so yeah, trying to, trying to tackle that and, um, self-care has always been like a, a, a struggle for me. And it's especially hard when you're a touring musician to take care of yourself. You're in like really insane conditions. So I let that kind of slip away from me. So it's coming back now that I'm not on the road so much and I can, it's it's messy you know i'm home now and it's like okay now i'm just faced with all this shit that i have to like unpack and it's a messy it's a hot mess i have a really supportive partner that lets me like move through all those emotions um and a supportive fan like my sister i have people that i can turn to to kind of un I, that word unpack is silly but it's true it's like it's slowly it's, it's a brilliant word it's, it's it's exactly what it is like it's yeah. like take out oh that well, that's under there oh okay that's under there yeah <laughs> but yeah like the funny thing about being you know in quarantine or whatever and and my entire art all musicians jobs are over for the next year or whatever um 
and my partner as well is is a really successful touring musician and both of us are trying to find a rhythm and a balance because you know it's it's funny on tour like we have a bit of structure in our lives where it's like you wake up you go do the sound check you do this this when you get home it's really hard to to get into a rhythm and feel stable and by the time you start to feel that way you're back out traveling again right so um for me i think the most important thing now is to like really get grounded i had to for a while i was kind of like between homes and living in colorado and coming back and forth so i was very un i didn't have a center i didn't have my own space that i could come home to and really feel like this is my home and settle into it so i was very i was you know all over the place because i didn't have that groundedness so now just even you know, meditating on gratitude and trying to find a routine, which is like a really big challenge, <laughs> but especially when there's right now you're like, oh, there's nothing to do. We have no jobs. <laughs> so, but it's been nice to try and kind of get into that rhythm. And I think that's uh, been the most important for me, but I know a lot of women who have children and whatnot, they have a routine where it's like, I get up, I have to do this. I have to, I have to be these things for a bunch of other people then I go to my job. So I don't, I don't know if I'm trying to like relate my process to women who experience that because I don't have children. I think that's... though the, it's, this, we're on the same coin, maybe opposite sides. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yes, I, I have kids and, and yes, they have routines, but don't kid yourself. All that went out the fucking window um, because everything was new and it doesn't, that the analogy or the, you know, the, Thing that people have been sharing that you know it's the same storm different boats and that makes sense to mm -hmm. me because we are all working to with the newness so mm -hmm. there's so much that we rely on as habit our yeah. thoughts our behaviors our actions so even though you had you know you were doing things all over the place it was still sort of the same things right, right. So you knew that if you you know wherever you got up in the morning you then went to the do this thing and do this yeah. thing and do this thing. yeah and the we rely on structure and habit and our to keep our bandwidth clear mm -hmm. to manage new things. And right, right now, everything is new. It doesn't matter what is new for you and what that looks like and how many people you're trying to care for. Um, mm -hmm. The we can get really tapped out. And so I can um, appreciate the desire for a sense of routine, a sense of I don't want to say normalcy because I don't think that's the word, but just a sense of knowing what's coming. Yeah. So much is unknown. And, and we, I think we're at the stage now, a couple months in that we're recognizing like, okay, I get it. I don't, I don't know what's happening tomorrow. So we are looking to create a sense of, I get up and I do this thing and then mm -hmm. I do this thing. And like you said, trying to gravitate or refocus on self-care means mm -hmm. that you want to feel like I, it's not, I get up and put a shot of Bailey's in my coffee. And then, you know, I don't shower for five days. Like you want to be looking at creating routines that yeah. are help you with whatever that next level is. So okay. I'm, I, I, so it, it's important that I just wanted to share like what your experience is extremely valid. And I, regardless of the women, whether they have children or not, I think we can all mm -hmm. relate to the, that desire to, to create something where you feel valuable and that your time is do like you're doing something not necessarily being productive, but that you feel like you're putting in something that will matter later, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever that is. Yeah. And, um, I'm knowing what you have gone through for decades now of, mm -hmm. of, of processing and releasing and gaining and releasing and, and learning, um, what would you say are the gifts that you're receiving now in this moment of grounding and, you know? Um, I think probably just, tr there's a lot of trust that has to come with when, when, think when you're in a career that doesn't have a trajectory and can be unstable at times where you're constantly like, you're looking for stability, but you don't, you don't know the outcome, you know, it's not like working at an office where it's like, I put this amount of years in, I'll get my, you know, and there's no security, there's no pension, there's no EI, there's none of that. So you're, 
we as artists are kind of used to live ironically living in this state that right now everyone is kind of in so there have been a lot of lessons that i can draw from that experience but i think mainly right now it's about trusting that you're safe and cradled and you're you're going to be okay and that um you will find a way that things are going to look different on the other side of this um but that we're we're humans and we're extremely resilient and adaptable and um we'll figure out a way as it comes i mean that and that's just from my lifestyle has shown me like well yes there's a lot of instability here and i don't i mean we don't know what my industry will look like in two months you know as as i know a lot of my friends in other industry especially the hospitality industry um but trusting that like okay well the the path is gonna look different but i'm going to figure out how to apply what i have to offer to the world in some way and it might change from what two months ago i thought it was going to be you know, me just starting on this solo journey and making an album, it's like, well, I can't even perform this album for another year. So it's, it looks really different. And it's super disappointing because you put your heart and soul into this thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, that's not the way it's going to go. But also, would you say the trust, this, this capacity that you've built, this, mm -hmm. muscle, if you will, that you've, you've, um, strengthened over time, mm -hmm. um, is it's all, is it all about showing up? And it, so but I say that because I, I right now, again, so many of us facing the same kind of idea, like we just have to believe mm -hmm. that things will be better, but it's like the law of attraction. You, you still have to do the work. Yeah. So, and so what would you, what are some of the things that you continue to show up and do? for you? Um, well, in that I've been afforded like a lot of time, like I said, because I don't have children and I can just, I've been coming back into other things that I, I, you know, like painting, I've been painting nonstop. And for two years, I haven't had time to paint or I haven't maybe felt like painting. I haven't, I've, it's funny with with creative things you you go through ebbs and flows where it's like you can go on a dry spell of not doing something then pick up a brush and it it all starts flowing out again now i can't stop you know so allowing my like nurturing just putting aside like the music thing we're still working on it my partner is is um engineering and and mixing a lot of my songs so i'm allowing him to like do that and and hand that part over and say okay now someone else is putting their touch on something i created and be okay with sitting back from it and not knowing where it's leading but knowing you've put a bunch of work into it and that's not going to be diminished by the timeline of things changing and just giving myself time to sink into painting and to just really get lost in that world and sit there for hours and do it I mean, again, if I had children, I wouldn't be able to do that. But um, So how do I relate that to someone who may have children? I think just, yeah, now that you're, the pace has changed, find ways to nurture things that, I know everyone's saying right now, like, you, we're in quarantine, so be productive. And now's the time to write that novel you never had time for, all of that stuff. And it's like, yeah, fuck off. Like... <laughs> all i'm trying to do is like take care of myself and my family like yeah um so i don't want to sound like one of those people that's like i got to create and paint and i finally but i just gave i i gave pause and a, and a moment to you know picking up the brush and saying okay i haven't painted in a long time i don't even know if i feel like this but as it started it starts to flow and you remember why you loved it yeah. and i think i haven't been able to stop for those of us who, you know, I too have um, accepted my creative center, mm -hmm. the, the power of, of stimulating that part of your brain allows for us to 
become better problem solvers, better innovators. Creativity doesn't just mean creating art. It means right. being able to create new and innovative ways to look at the world. And, and yeah. that I think is so important right now. I mean, for all of us at every level, no matter what we're doing, where we are, being able to um, be a little bit more solution focused or, mm -hmm. or feel better and more secure and confident in our capacity to problem solve. Cause literally everything is like, I've never done that before. I don't know how to do that. And, um, and that the, the skill or the practice of being creative is, yeah. is, is hands down the number one way to beat that. And I know mm -hmm. that sounds crazy because it's like it, it also triggers your inner critic because you get to that, oh, is it any good? And is anybody going to like it? But really just um, adopting this mindset of it's about the process, not the product. Um, right. For, for those of us, again, that aren't creating for, uh, you know, a business or our lifestyle, but um, the there's huge value to that. So regardless yeah. of whether you have kids or you don't, I have kids and I got up and, and created like 22 pieces of hand lettering the other day. I'm like, just, yeah. I'm just going to do the same thing. I pick up this brush and uh, something's going to happen. Um, yeah. and what I've recognized is when my body go takes me there, it's because I need a new way of think something else. Like I, right. I, I'm, I'm coming up against something that's causing me grief that I yeah. don't understand and I feel out of control in. And when I allow myself to sort of just sit, sit into that flow, I'm better at handling that other thing. So, yeah. you know, those pieces may never see the light of day or they, I may sell 400 copies. Like who, right. right? It's, um, and so for those of us who maybe don't consider ourselves professional artists, the value of tapping into that now mm -hmm. and, and not about being productive, not about writing that novel, not about doing more than you can, but knowing that even for five minutes, you can create some momentum in other areas that you're feeling stuck in. So, for sure. Yeah. So thank and you I, for yeah. helping to, to, well, thank you. That. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we, as women are born, we're the creator, you know, we make babies. We, we, that's what we do, but our identity isn't steeped in like, I have a child and that is all that I am. It's even just, you know, tapping it, like you said, like digging your hands into the dirt, going out into the garden, planting, nurturing something, nurturing that, the nurturer in you and nurturing the creator in you in it. And it is a practice, you know, it is a, you have to make time to do that and to, and even if your plant dies or if your painting <laughs> looks like shit to you, like it's, it's not about that. It's about nurturing that time to tap into that really essential part of your essence, the, the essence of you as a woman, as a human being. Um, and that that takes setting boundaries and, you know, saying to your partner, or if you don't have a partner to asking someone like, can you come take the kids for an hour so that I can sit and be with myself, whether that's just like read a book, listen to tunes. And I know everyone isn't privileged with that opportunity all the time, but it's really essential to, to tap into that side of, of yourself, not for any outcome of like making a beautiful thing that everyone else will adore. It's like what I was saying before, right. You're doing it for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I was talking to a friend yesterday and she has, um, four children and is home oh. with them during the day. And so, you know, and, and right now there is no person that can come and, and do yeah. the thing, right? And, but what we talked about, it was, you're always with yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, no matter what the moment is, there are, you're always thinking and we get to choose what happens here. And then we get to choose the energy that's created with this, right? And so we can get really caught up and I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this and all the screaming and the thing and the da, 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 da. Um, but even carving out two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, um, just to be with yourself and yeah. allow for some of that to transpire, you know, you get more of what you put your attention and intention in and, you know, lo and behold, it, you'll start to unravel and start to and see that there is more space for the potential to create. And it, and I can't say what that would look like specifically. It could be a week down the road, could be a month down the road. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I have this opportunity, but we have to be able to be open to seeing it. 
Right. So I yeah. Think that is, um, that's definitely something I would attribute to my artist self is mm-hmm. this belief and trust that if I just continue to show up and, and, and it, creating things that suck that and or, or thinking things that are sort of moving in a direction where I have no idea where it's going, but I'm like, I'm going to trust that it's, I'm going to trust that if I continue to put my attention here, that at some point there will be sort of a, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> and not beat yourself up if days go by where you didn't find that opportunity to do that. But if you have an intention and you're seeking for the moment to, to do that, and it, it's, again, it's a practice. So it's a learned thing. Like, even if the opportunity arises and you're like, oh shit, I had 10 minutes to myself and I didn't, you know, write a poem or whatever. <laughs> but like, even just acknowledging like, oh, I would have, I should have really, I would have loved to have taken that moment to do this. And just with, with the intention, eventually opportunities to do that will open and you'll cease, you'll, you'll seize it. And then it'll just start to become habit. And with every moment to spare that you have, you'll want to nurture that more, you know? So would you, would you say that that would be either something that you were um, supported to, to, to have grow within you? But it it sounds to me earlier, you said, you know, I would just sort of like go and be like, there's a thing I'm going to go do that now. Um, And would you say that it was, although you may not have been sending sort of conscious intention about this new endeavor, but that belief and trust that, you continue to do what feels right, the door opens and you're, oh, that's the one I walked through. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not trying to say like things came so easy to me and every door would open up. It, was, it wasn't it was easy. That being said, like I was saying, when I was younger, I was used to like, I'd audition for something, I would get it. And then when that didn't happen, I was like, well, I not, must not be good. Like I thought I was, I'm gonna give up on that. But of course, rejection is an experience in and of itself that is beneficial and and important to your growth process um but yeah i think just energetically again because i'm kind of an an empath so it was like i would follow the people that that i wanted to be around that i wanted to that i aspired to to be like the people i wanted to work with Mm -hmm. and in pursuing that just energetic you know, it was like, I don't know where this is going to lead, but this makes me feel good and powerful. So I'm going to pursue that. Yeah. Or if there's an, if, you know, it used to be if like anyone asked me to sing with them, I'd be like, sure. And I just go do it because it was, it was putting in my 10,000 hours to do it. Right. And then as you grow and you gain that experience of, for, in my case, being on stage, then you can refine who you want to do that with. And you can start saying no and not just saying yes to whoever asks you. Right. You can say, no, I think I want to, I want to be surrounded with this particular type of artist or this, you know, caliber or whatever it is. Um, you can start to refine that for your yourself. Yeah. But it took a lot of like doing it and doing it, and doing it so that you're like, I'm confident enough in what I do that I can stand with, with the people I look up to and the people that I want to work with. And I can choose, I can choose that. So you go with the flow, but eventually then you can refine what your flow is. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I think, I think you, you definitely nailed it when you were, you said it was an energetic sort of maybe like a draw and that for those of us who are sort of just tapping into this idea of, um, listening to our intuition more uh, openly and with, with, with the belief and trust. Um, and, and the, the sort of inside of that is, you know, yes, we have sort of this vision, but again, that vision beyond the, I want to be on stage or I want to be, you know, like them, it becomes this vision of yourself for yourself um, aligned with how you want to feel and what you want to be doing. And then I, I love the, I love the no. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of going, no, that, it, yeah. that does not pass through my filter of what I know is going to make me feel awesome. So awesome for you, not my thing. Right. right? And, yeah, yeah. Um, it, you're right. It definitely takes practice. And what I think is fascinating is you can practice that in almost the little things of your life. 
the, right. the tiny moments of, does this feel good to me? Do I want to eat that for dinner? Do, mm. you know, someone said something online, how do I feel about that? But kind of like bringing up to your consciousness and, and going, how do I feel? Is this how I want to feel? Well, how would I like to feel instead? Right. And, and fine tuning that. And I think, you know, for an artist and someone who is, um, you know, your decisions are, are leading you very much out into the world that it maybe feels big, but it's definitely a skill that all of us could capitalize on and then use for when the big moments happen, like what we're going through now. Um, we can feel a little bit more uh, confident, a little bit more ready to go, well, I don't have a clue what's happening over here, but I've learned how to listen to me. Right. And yeah. I've learned how to, what matters to me. Yeah. Um, so, Thank you. It's fabulous. And um, I don't know if you would have ever seen it that way. And I know that throughout our conversation, you know, you're saying, well, I'm over here and the other women are doing this. And, but mm -hmm. I really do feel that there's so much commonality to our experiences, even though our stories are extremely unique and, and going back to, you know, those moments in when you were younger, learning that your story does matter because everybody mm -hmm. has a story um, that might seem different, but again, there's so many underlying connections that we yeah. can all gain from so i'm right i'm, I'm super Which is what I, yeah i was saying that about you know songwriting or whatever and you're like but this is so specific to me but that's that's what's beautiful about music and about songs right we find our own story and in, in all of that so yeah i wasn't trying to like minimize my experience or or compare it to other women i i'm yeah, again, I want to find like the commonality in, in what our experiences when our lives look very different, but there's, there's a lot of commonality. I was thinking about saying no and about how my, my, one of my best friends, Catherine, who is also in film production. And so being in, in the arts again, it's like opportunities are, feel very rare. So you feel like you have to take whatever comes in front of you. And for a long time, like I was saying, you do that to gain the experience. Mm -hmm. But I remember she and I discussing like when that shift comes, when you're like, it's hard to say no because you're like, I don't know when the next job's gonna come. So I have to say yes, right? But you start to say no and saying like, I trust that I am worth something and that more opportunities are going to come. I don't have to take this job that I have no passion for just because I'm afraid that there will be scarcity on the other side if I say no, or if I, yeah, if I say no. And both of us coming to that place of like calling each other and be like, I said no today. I turned a job down. I don't know when I'm going to get my next paycheck, but I know something's going to come. Right. So it's like, and in energetically putting that out, like that I'm worthy of that just because someone's offering me something doesn't mean I have to take it because I'm afraid no one will offer me anything again, you know, Absolutely. and you get, trained in those ways, especially in the arts when there's such scarcity of work. And the scary thing is saying no and being like, okay, what did I just do? But something always comes, you know, something always comes. You might go a little, you might go a little bit beyond your means and it gets scary as fuck for a second, but something <laughs> always comes and you just have to trust that. Absolutely. That no really does create space. Right. So when mm -hmm. the, the, even just the idea of saying no allows us to be open to receive more, not, and I mean, saying yes, right. and then filling your space and filling your time, filling your energy with something you don't want to do, obviously that, that takes space away, but even just the act of the no just sort of opens up potential and, and it can, it can attune yeah. you to opportunities that you may have missed otherwise. So it's almost like the the offer and the chance to say no to something, it sort of sets your spidey senses off where like, okay, but then that means there's something else that's better. Where is it? Where Where is it? And now you're looking for that thing that really is gonna light you up. That if we were just trucking along, do, 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 going about our day, that's the kind of stuff that would just pass us by if we weren't really paying attention. So, fabulous. For sure. Awesome. Yeah, in this in this time for me too, it's um, in my world of like being a backup singer, which is a cherry on top for any artist who can afford to have backup singers, right? So it's like very scarce work. It's highly competitive. I'm in a world with a bunch of women who I all love and work with, but we're all up for the same jobs all the time. And 
that it can be painful and playing a lot of my shit with rejection that's from the past, you know, but anytime that's happened now, as I'm older, you know, you go through the initial, like, she's more beautiful than me and more talented than me. And that's why she got the job. But then you're like, well, this is giving space for what I want. I don't want to be a backup singer forever. I want to be my own artist. And so take this time then to work. It's instead of being on tour, you get to be at home working on your own shit, you know? Um, But it's easy to like, it's easy to get the job and go out on the tour. And it's, it distracts you from the work that you actually should or could be doing, you know? And you're like, I'm still just running. And this is a, (laughs) this dodging that work that I have to go do on myself, you know? So Resistance is a funny, funny thing, and it can show up in ways that make us think that it's great, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I feel so good right now. Like, right, Mm -hmm. and look at me, I'm doing a thing, but it's not the thing, not the thing. And so resistance is basically like your inner critic's alter ego, the mild-mannered, oh, everything's wonderful, just do this now. Just, Mm -hmm. you can, like, and it justifies and it rationalizes, and you can live your whole life going, but I'm, look how busy I am. Yeah, super busy, and your the thing, whatever that thing is, is sitting idle. Yeah, right. So, well, I mean, I thrived off that for so long, especially as like social media. I mean, when I first started touring, this dates me a bit, but like Instagram didn't exist, and then it came around, and it was like, and now I can put a diary up of every fabulous city I've been in, and and you know, taking like your worth and what you can present outwardly saying like, look what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, my doctor was like, you need to be at home resting for the next two months. Cause you're like clinically exhausted. And I was like, I can't do that. I have to be continuing to like show that I'm, I'm working and I'm worthy and, and like, you know, so yeah, it's now that, that my life pace has changed a bit. I can be in bands that are more central and not touring all the time it's like, okay, now all that stuff that I was running from literally on a tour bus or in a van (laughs) from city to city is now like, it's all here and it's, it's overwhelming, but it's like, now allow the space to like, let that all come in. It's going to be messy as fuck. And it's, you know, it's going to be painful, but like, just give yourself that time to process it and feel that and, and feel hurt and feel messy because on the other side of it, you'll have done the catharsis of like releasing it instead of running from it all the time, you know? I think that is, I mean, you said so many awesome things, but that absolutely for me wraps that up. Like, yes, you have to go and do the thing and it's going mm-hmm. to be uncomfortable and mm-hmm. but the, it's worth it, right? Mm-hmm. So the, this idea for me of hot mess and awesomeness, it's not a linear line. It's not like you go from one to the other and then you stop. It's all of a sudden you're that, awesome forever. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's You'll never be a hot mess again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that is no. not how it works. Yeah. But the experience of being that hot mess and, and kind of feeling through that is mm-hmm. what's awesome. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then the knowledge that I've done this before, which means I can do it again. And, yeah. it, and, and it doesn't mean it isn't messy or painful or, or any, it, it just means that you have this knowledge and confidence that I've handled hard shit and I can handle this hard shit. And yeah and keep going. Brilliant. Right. Thank you. I am, I've loved every minute of this. Thank you so much. I too. And I, so, okay. How can, cause you've been painting, uh, can people get their hands on some of your fabulousness? Like what is, I've displayed a few behind (laughs) here. (laughs) I wanted to, well, if you'd like any of these, they are for sale. (laughs) uh no you know I have a website um yeah I'm always doing I'm doing commissions and stuff like that I'm working I guess my website is carlyakins.com I'll I'll Um, share a link for people who might be uh interested in that has all my paintings on it that has when I'm playing shows which will be in another year when (laughs) we're allowed to do that (laughs) stay tuned for that yeah Um, um, and obviously on the website as well will be when your solo release, uh, once you're that, yeah. that 
whatever's happening yeah. right now. And yeah. uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and I've said to Dave before, I, Dave, my husband, and I've said to him that I don't know if it's because I know you, but like, I'm a feeler, I'm a music feeler. And I, I recognize that not everybody does that, but like I hear music and parts of my body start to like shake and water flies out my eyes and my, like, my synesthesia for music. Exactly. And yeah. so, um, there's a few artists, some of them I know, some of them I don't, where I'm like, and when I hear your voice, I could pinpoint your voice. I don't care who you're backuping for. I'm like, I know that woman because my skin is on fire. And, and so I'm really, really looking forward to something that is all about you because oh, I thank you. It's about fucking time. So, um, scary, yeah, hot mess, awesomeness, back and forth. Yeah, back and forth. You know, you can be one in the same, a awesome hot mess. Yes. It's kind of like pretty much yes. what I am. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. So much for having me. Love you and send my love to that beautiful family of yours. And I'm really grateful for the work you do and for um, the support you offer to we women. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join Dion again next week to learn more about what you can do to go from hot mess to awesomeness.